I love you 3,000. Welcome in to the Bro for Squad podcast. This is episode 97, and just as we've been since the very beginning, we're just a bunch of bros drinking beer and watching movies. This is our 2019 movie year in review, and as you start popping your champagne to ring in the year 2020, we are going to go back over our predictions at the beginning of the year, see how right or wrong we were, and then, of course, talk shit to each other if we weren't. I am your host, the Mayor, Jeff Hornacek. Let's get started by meeting the fellow bros with me today. And we get started, as always, in the lab to the mad scientist, Brian Banner. Now, Banner, with 2019 wrapping up, what invention of yours from this past year are you most proud of? So it's called the shotgun tee, and it's a golf tee that doubles as a tool you can use to open your beer to shotgun it. Is it just a funnel that you turn the other way (laughs) on the ground? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> so, again, you're the scientist. So you've heard of it. I was going to say, so what is the difference between this and just a, fu- a funnel? Uh, can the just name? a normal funnel make you fly? No, I guess not. Mine, mine flies. Those of you listening at home, Banner had... How many beer bongs do you think I held for you in college total? Uh, I'd set the over-under probably 200. Okay, and how many of those do you think you had more than just your boxers on for? Probably like 175. Okay. All right. That seems fair. All right, next we go to our enforcer in the paint, Matt Geiger. Now, Geiger, as our enforcer, I have to ask, with the year coming to a close, if there's one person from 2019 you could fight that you didn't get the chance to, who would you choose? Uh, Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> and the reason I haven't been able to fight her is because everyone's just so damn, you know, PC nowadays that I don't just I don't think I can get away with it. I, I think that I would have to step down from the pod, even though our fans are like just terrible people like us. I still think I'd have to step down from the pod. I feel like you would like if if I said to you, hey man, you can attack Kathleen Kennedy, but you got to leave the pod. You would sit there and really think about it, though. I mean, it was, yeah, I'd have to you know. Talk to my wife about it, my friends and family. You'd be like, what if I just start biting her in the leg and people have to rip me off? That seems, at least we can explain that away. Possibly. Kathleen, this is coming from someone who has not seen The Mandalorian or The Rise of Skywalker, just out of pure protest, which I have to give you credit for sticking by your guns. sticking to your guns. Thank you. Something that most of us here on the Bro 4 Squad can't do. Yeah, pretty oh. much everyone, all my brothers on this podcast make me sick to my stomach even looking at your face right now through Skype, but it's fine. I deserve that, and I'm going to get it worse here as we go through our predictions. So if you have listened to our show before, or even if you haven't, you know that we start every episode off with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chest day. Now, our chest day this year, we are going to go back and revisit our picks from the 2019 preview show, which I will link in the description here. Basically, we made our predictions for the entire year with movies of our most anticipated films, our biggest sleeper movie, our biggest flop of the year, whether critically or at the box office, and then some honorable mentions. So we'll go through each of those three categories one by one and see how correct we were. And then at the very end, we'll we'll each go through a custom top five list that we made for the year. But before we do that, uh, if you listen to our preview show for 2019, Banner... Laid down the law, which he should. I mean, we need to hold each other accountable. And he said that we needed to make a pact 
based around integrity, which is not our strong suit here at the Bro 4 Squad, where we are required to see every movie that we talked about on here for ourselves. Like, I don't have to see the ones Banner talked about, but if I mention a movie, I need to go see it. And we've yet to come up with a punishment for those of us who didn't see any of the movies we talked about, but uh, I'm just bringing this up now for the first time, and I'm obviously welcome to your input. But how about for every movie each one of us didn't see, uh, the other two members of the pod are allowed to force a movie on that person to watch. So, for example, totally random example here. If Geiger didn't see a film that he talked about, uh, Banner and I are each able to prescribe him a movie. It could be from any year that he has to fucking watch. Yeah, that's fine. As long as you guys don't make me watch a Star Wars thing to fuck up my protest, then I'm game with that. That's fine. I can agree to those terms. I, I'm fine with those terms, yeah. You should do hostage negotiations, because right now those are two hostages that would just be fucking set free. It's kind of like gaining its own traction. I have a lot of people living in my house right now drinking Kool-Aid and Tokes, so I I don't want to disappoint them. You know, I'm a god to them. Well, bad times at the El Royale, you're sort of... Most of them are Trekkies, I'll admit it. Most of them are Trekkies, but, you know, what are you going to do? The low-hanging fruit, the guys who are looking for some social group to be a part of. Um, and I actually have Ronnie Cycli, our legal counsel's predictions on here as well. He is uh, dying of an illness right now, so he cannot be on the podcast. But uh, I will definitely mention them for him, and we will hold him accountable as well. So let's start off with our most anticipated movies of 2019. Banner, we'll start with your pick. Uh, first off, you did say you would finally see The Space Between Us. So I have to ask for the second year in a row, did that happen, even though I have a feeling I know the answer? I actually did, and we talked about it on one of the episodes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, and it's actually a pretty good movie. I really enjoyed it. So, uh, now, yeah, pretty excited I got, got a chance to watch that. The reason this is relevant here, this was your sleeper film from 2018, which you never saw. <laughs> no, 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 2017. Oh, 20, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you finally saw it. And Gary Oldman's like, it's a bad fucking time. Was that was that movie taking the same prescription that Michael Jackson was? Like it was just sleeping for that long a time? Like it just couldn't wake up? Or what the fuck is the deal? I don't want to say too soon, but I want to say something. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Banner, your actual prediction for Sleeper, or for, excuse me, for most anticipated movie of 2019 was Angel Has Fallen. So are we going to start off with a strike here? Of course we are. I didn't go see that fucking movie. God damn. <laughs> but more I needed... importantly, I did see The Space Between Us. I think we need to focus on the positive here, guys. Um, you... The movie looked good. I just never got around to seeing it. And people at home listening, I promise you, unlike some previous year's podcasts, we actually have seen pretty much all of these movies. This was just an odd one to lead off with. Check out Olympus Has Fallen, though. We did that uh, movie commentary. Banner and I did. Actually, in anticipation for Angel Has Fallen, and then didn't even go see that in theaters. I think this just came out at a weird time, man. Either we, It was, it like, was like, end like, of August. the summer. Yeah, yeah, it was like end of the summer. Like, school was starting back up. We were all fucking busy. And we had all spent, like, all of our money and time seeing endgame like six times in theaters and everything else that came out so i put this on the studio like do better yeah this is their fault it's their fault i didn't go see the movie that i would really wanted to see yep exactly all right moving on to a positive and uh we all know we hate telling geiger he was correct but he fucking nailed this geiger's most 
anticipated movie of 2019 was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he said, quote, it could be the greatest movie ever made. And he predicted it, he would like it better than The Departed and Pulp Fiction. I said uh, I thought it could be better than Inglorious Bastards and that I hoped Tarantino would do a little bit of revisionist history, which he actually did end up doing with the movie. So, Geiger, brag a little bit, man. You fucking love this movie. Critics love this movie. Audiences love this movie. I mean, this is pretty damn impressive. Okay, before I brag a little bit, I'm going to take one little step back. I saw this movie opening weekend. Um, I saw it again on Cody. If you guys don't know what that is, it's a legal app that you can download and watch movies because it wasn't out yet. I believe it's out now on DVD. I need to watch it again. So before I, – I can't say it's better in Pulp Fiction yet. I can't say it's better in Glorious Bastards because, as you know, a Tarantino movie is like a fine wine that after you watch it about 40 fucking times is just as good. Like when I didn't watch Pulp Fiction for five years and I decided to watch it one Saturday night, I'm like, my god, I forgot like so much about this. However, whenever I did leave the theater, I'm like – Man, the fucking soundtrack into the movie, this is perfect. It was well acted. The story was fun. The ending scene was fucking Tarantino ridiculous that I fucking loved. I believe it was a perfect movie. I'm still on the record, though, on the fence if it was, like, his greatest work. I'm just not sure. I'm going to have to watch it, like, 20 or 30 more times. However, I believe this was the best movie of the year, and I think it should clean up at the Oscars, man. I don't know what else will be around to, like, take from this because... I mean, directing, writing, acting. I mean, this this movie fucking took the cake. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree with everything you said. I There are two movies, both starring Scarlett Johansson, that I'll probably talk about a little bit later that might give it a little bit of a run at the Oscars. But at the beginning of the year preview show, you said Hollywood in the 60s. Like, what's not to love about that? Yeah. And Tarantino dove headfirst into that concept, and it was fucking incredible. And the last 20 minutes of this movie are just fucking bonkers and so much goddamn fun. <laughs> Basically, the second Brad Pitt says, oh, here we go, when the drugs start hitting him, that's when the movie just goes off the rails in the most Tarantino way possible. It's a fucking great film. Star-studded cast and... I was laughing my ass off a lot, and the second time I watched half of it, and I was laughing again. I was like, man, this is a really good film. And I'll say this, not very plot-driven, but I think, same with The Hateful Eight, which I know a lot of people hate, but you know I love. I think those are some of Tarantino's strongest movies, where he can basically have essentially nothing happen and have you still be so locked in and interested. Yeah. that's It's almost like braggadocious. He's like, dude, I can write or make a movie about fucking nothing, but if you give me good actors, I'll make it interesting. It's like he dares himself to. So great work there. Banner, did you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Uh, I've seen half of it. I have not finished it yet. Okay. When you watch the end, report It's a back. long movie. It's I think it's around three hours, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's pretty long. Geiger, the second time you saw it, did you watch the end credits scene? with uh jack dawson doing the advertisement no i i saw it on youtube though which is fucking hilarious i watched probably the first hour and a half of it um and then i had to go do something and i was lucky to find a stream that was actually like watchable but it was it was great i mean it was just as good as the first time i saw it you catch a lot of stuff too that you laugh about that i'm like man i totally forgot that or didn't even remember it from the theater and that's Tarantino's trademark, right? Like, the second viewing is better than the first. Yeah, it's just like a old-school Will Ferrell film, like Step Brothers, like all those that whenever you leave the theater, you totally forget, like, all the one-liners because you're like, man, there's just so fucking many. I'm going to have to watch this 80 million times to pick up on everything. 
Agreed. Great watch, though. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. Best movie of the year, in my opinion. And definitely watch it before Oscar season. because Absolutely. Gonna and you're it's gonna not an Oscar movie that sucks to watch. It's so much fun to watch. Was it last year or two years ago where we like had, gave each other homework and poor Banner had to watch Roma? Yeah. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> you did. I fucking did. And it was you were, good, actually. You were like the guy in the group project who's like, all right, um... I'll put together the fucking PowerPoint. Just send me your shit. And we were like, oh, damn. All right, thanks, man. Uh, Cycli, <clears throat> who is unfortunately not here, uh, get better soon. His most anticipated movie, again, another guy who hit it perfectly, was Us by Jordan Peele. And he praised originality in Hollywood and cited how many movies in 2019 are sequels, reboots, or remakes, which, again, we're not averse to we don't dislike but anytime someone has an original idea an original concept i think it needs uh to be given attention and i saw us i enjoyed it i think it was a little too smart for me i don't quite fucking understand it but i know it was a great movie and i know cycli really liked it a lot we've had some in-depth drunk discussions on it did any of you guys see us absolutely not uh, uh no i i've heard about it i think it might be a little too scary even for me yeah, I don't yeah, know. so I did have a problem. Scary movies, but he told my fiance and I that it was really not scary at all. And about the third time someone got their throat stabbed in the theater, we were a little upset, upset that we were sold a, a false bill of goods. But it is a good movie. <clears throat> all right, on to my most anticipated. It was the Netflix uh, film Triple Frontier, which had just an incredibly badass cast: Oscar Isaac. Ben Affleck, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, and The Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal. And I said it was my favorite type of movie, a heist movie. And I think I gave it a 5 out of 5 on Letterboxd, and I stand by it. Maybe I'm overrating it a little bit. I think both of you guys saw it. Do you remember Triple Frontier? It was from, like, February or March. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Great and I, I think we even we did a review about it, if you want to check it out, um, on Bro4Squad.com or YouTube. But... I think we really were talking about how like this might be the future of movies, like a, a budget film like that that's not going to break the box office. Dude, just throw it on Netflix, and Netflix will get a huge fucking bump that month because we all watched it. I watched it the first week, came out, and loved it. Yeah, it was awesome. And, <clears throat> Banner, I think you – I don't know if you're on the review, but I know you said this to me in person. Charlie Hunnam is a, a solid actor, but he got exposed in this cast because everyone else was so awesome that Charlie Hunnam really stood out like a sore thumb. I don't know what he his – Fucking, what was that accent he was trying to do that was like I don't in and out? Know. I don't know what he was trying to do, but overall, I, I agree. I think that that was a fantastic movie. Um, five out of five, I don't know, a little aggressive. Maybe maybe like a four out of five, but absolutely great movie. And I, I stand by that statement that we made saying that this is the future of those like mid to uh, low revenue films. That they're not going to get you a ton of money. But they'll get you something. Throw them on these streaming services. You have enough to pick out of them. Hell, make them bid for them. And that's the future of where we're going to be able to see a lot of these cool movies. I believe Hunnam has a, another movie coming out soon, too, that looks fucking badass. Him I'm and McConaughey are in a, uh, what's this, a Guy Ritchie movie coming out. Yeah, it's, yeah it's him and somebody else. You can look it up. Um. I will say this about Triple Frontier. In the second act, you're like, dude, how does this thing have 40 minutes left? And then something happens, and it's like and it a picks really, up. It's a really cool take on the heist movie genre, I thought. All right, that's it for most anticipated. 
Uh, our next was our biggest sleeper movies of 2017. So these were movies that uh, did not have a lot of hype or that we thought could really come under the radar and surprise people. And I'll go in the order that we predicted them on the show. Cycli is first, and his is really unfair to judge. He said 1917, uh, the Sam Mendes World War One flick. He cited World War One gets no Just love at the cinema. Well, it's actually been pushed back in a lot of theaters until early January. Oh, wow. So okay. I'm not going to hold this against Cycli. Um, it's not even accessible in like a lot of cities, probably where he lives as well. So I know he is excited to see this, but unfortunately it's just not. It's been moved back once, and now it's pushed back for its wide release till I think, January 7th. So we'll basically count this as like N.A. or like no match. I don't know. Scratch. I don't know. We, is there a better sports reference? And to that theme, Geiger's biggest sleeper movie also was pushed back. That is Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> And I wrote because I think the of internet backlash, right? It wasn't anything well, else to do. <laughs> right. What I wrote was the mouth breathers on the internet stopped it from being released because they wanted the animation redone. <laughs> I think it needed to be redone. Actually, uh, just it wasn't a previous that point. Bad. So Hunnam's new movie is called The Gentleman, coming out in 2020 with uh, Matthew McConaughey, which actually to fast we'll forward that to. Um, our, our anticipation review of 2020, that might be my biggest fucking sleeper movie. Anyway, Sonic the Hedgehog not coming out till 2020, so I didn't really have to see it. Actually, when I um, remembered that this was my biggest sleeper movie, I kind of started sweating and looking around Cody for it because I haven't <laughs> fucking seen it. Then I remembered, oh yeah, I got pushed back. It's not even coming back this year. I'm still looking forward to it, though, especially if our childhood, and especially if Knuckles makes an appearance. I mean, I'm sure I know. Give me Knuckles and... Yeah. And I, Jim Carrey's take on Robotnik, I'm not going to act like Robotnik is this character that should be revered, but he's playing it really fucking stupid. We'll see about that. But I like James Marsden. I like Sonic. And you and I, same with Banner. I mean, grew up with Segas, Sega kids. Yeah. So I'm willing to give this a shot. I'll give it my money. And again, so you and Cycli are both off the hook for the time being because this is not being released this year. <clears throat> Banner, uh, I don't think you saw yours, which will give you two strikes here, but I actually think you were right, and you went with Shazam. And Look, I you... don't have to see the movies to know <laughs> I'm going to be right, all right? I'm just but that were, good at this. You were pretty cocky because you were flying high off of your solo A Star Wars Story pick for 2018. And I'm two for um, two. But you did declare that Shazam would bring the DCEU back. Now, Geiger is obviously the DCEU guy who has broken up with it and blocked its number on all channels. And then texts it, yo, you up after poker. <laughs> and the DCEU says, are you drunk? Uh, but Banner, at least based on critical reception, this is a good pick for you, man. I mean, Shazam, I didn't see much negative about it at all. Yeah, no, everybody that uh, I've talked to that actually did see it uh, really enjoyed it. I think that they finally found that like middle market of are we marketing more towards kids or are we doing more adult dark things and i think they kind of rode that line better than most of the other dcu movies um and we've got what two of them coming out next year now again so yeah, i think they'll go one for two next year between wonder woman 84 and birds of prey i agree but we'll see we'll save that for the 2020 preview show so my um, sleeper movies, I again, as is tradition, we always try to get a little bit ballsy with our predictions just because it's more fun. 
And I was talking about Rocket Man uh, with yes. Taron Edgerton and It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Tom Hanks. And I predicted that the best actor or best picture would come from one of these two films. I am very confident in saying those two predictions are not even fucking close to happening. In fact, they might not even get nominated in either category. But I don't I, think Hanks will. Well, Hanks here's the thing. Does. So I really liked Rocket Man, and literally yesterday on Cody, I watched It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and I'll talk about it here in Protein Shake. But it is the biggest flaming pile of shit I've seen in like the past two months, and I will tell you why. It is, is it, utterly. Just give me, give me a little piece. Is it just desperate? Like, is this? Are they pulling their skirt oh. way up? With no, I wish. Oscars? I think uh, Tom Hanks is in fourteen minutes of the movie, of the two hour and fifteen minute runtime. Awesome. Jesus, just, it's not about. Talk about Rocket Man for a little bit, Jeff. Uh, I liked it better than Bohemian Rhapsody. I liked that it was kind of a musical and. I thought Taron Edgerton did a fucking fantastic job, and he should get a nomination for Best Actor. Yeah, yeah. He, he was awesome in it. I think my only thing with Rocketman versus uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is Elton John, I don't think, had... There wasn't as much conflict in his story as there was with Queen, and that's kind of on him. Like His really only problem was he hated his dad, and he had a drug and alcohol problem. Yeah, and the thing is, is like it, it's way better... Uh, I'm trying to get like it's better when there's a band and there's like turmoil in the band yeah like a Nirvana a Nirvana movie would be way better than like a Red Hot Chili Peppers movie because Kurt dies in it like when someone dies and you feel it and you're just waiting for that um, you know Elton John's still alive so that's that's what's kind of different about it. But let's give Elton John credit. He signed off on that movie, and there are a lot of times in it where it makes him look like a total shithead and he was like no man that's how it happened put it in there. Which is not easy to do. He's sober now. Just has that still that shopping addiction. Which is, which is worse. Takes more lives. Yeah, on Black Friday, put me up. Put me on that list. Um, so, I mean, I'll say that I guess I'm I'm right in the sense that Rocket Man was good. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood wasn't. But uh, neither of those are going to get Oscar noms. But at least I saw them. I made sure that happened. <laughs> All right, biggest flop movies of 2019. Now, this does not have to be necessarily at the box office. Because if the Transformers movies can make a billion dollars each, we know that's not the best barometer of if a movie doesn't fucking blow donkey dick. So we said these were either going to be – they would lose a ton of money or they would just not be very critically well-received. And Banner, we'll start with you. You said Disney's live-action remake of Aladdin. You did say it would make a ton of money, but you thought it could effectively kill or slow down the Disney live-action reboots as people would get a little tired of their paint-by-numbers, which is basically like, take all the scenes from the animated ones, add an extra song, add water. We're good to go. How do you feel about that pick now? Uh, Yeah, I was wrong. I mean, Aladdin was great. It was probably the second best... One, two, or three of the live actions that have come out. Well, Dumbo's and, way down at the bottom, right? Yeah, Dumbo was way down at the bottom. My uh, mom didn't even like Dumbo, and she's very forgiving critic. <laughs> uh, I think Lady and the Tramp, if you include those, is way down at the bottom. Um, but I don't know. I thought Aladdin was actually really good, really well done. I was happy with everybody's portrayal. Uh, you know, going into it, you were real nervous about Will Smith and how he was going to handle the Robin Williams genie situation. And he did an absolute fantastic job with that. And I would not consider Aladdin a flop. I think Lion King is more of a flop than Aladdin. 
Geiger and Cycli had an interesting discussion about this where Geiger said he thought they should play to Will Smith's strengths and let him rap a little more. Cycli was vehemently against that. They did the former. They let him rap. And I think Geiger was right. I think that worked out better. Don't try and make him Robin Williams, you know? Just make him the fresh prince of the genie bottle. And that's pretty much what they did. And Aladdin, like... I went into that because my wife wanted to see it with my arms crossed being like, let's get this over with so I can bitch about it on the pod and be done with it. <laughs> I was actually, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. Actually, I, I, with cable television and streaming services, I probably will. It wasn't that bad. And that's saying a lot because the trailers made it look terrible. <laughs> wasn't that bad. I was very pleasantly surprised by it. It's all and Disney think- wants to hear. That's, that's all they want to hear. Wasn't that bad? They changed enough to where I was like, all right, this is worth me going to see the live action version. Like, it, it was definitely not, as opposed to Lion King, which is almost shot for shot. Oh, you yeah. I don't, I don't even want to talk about Lion King. I mean, Aladdin took enough liberties. You got to take some risks, man, and they're not all going to pay off. But if you're going to make the movie and give me a reason to spend 15 bucks a ticket, like, at least take a few chances. All right, Cycli's biggest flop of 2019, Jumanji, the next level. He said he didn't think they could hit Ju- the Jumanji jackpot twice. And what are the odds Kevin Hart makes two movies I can stand in a two-year span? <laughs> uh, I, this movie just came out, and my for Christmas, I went to go see Star Wars with my mom for a second time rather than seeing this. I mean, we're not the podcast to ask about this because we're getting pretty sick of The Rock and Kevin Hart. We get it. He's small. The Rock's big. The humor derived from that is non-existent anymore. So I'll just go ahead and say Cycli's right. I haven't seen any box office numbers or critic response, but I'm assuming it's not that great. Or at least like not to the case where we're going to get a third one. Have you guys read anything? So this was, uh, this was mine, too. Uh, my biggest flop as well. That's right. It was. And mine was more mathematically, I guess. Uh, so 70%, 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 58% um, on a Megacritic. Now, the reason I picked this is because it was sandwiched in between Frozen 2 and Star Wars, and I I knew there were some Oscar bait movies coming out in 1917. And, and that's exactly what you said, too. Yeah, you were like, this yeah. isn't a bad spot. However, I, I, I kind of, I think, misconstrued something. And the one thing is, is Star Wars fatigue. I think people are just, you know, people that are just random people that don't really follow Star Wars that much. And they're like, I didn't really like The Last Jedi that much. Like, okay, you just want to see Jumanji? Like, yeah, sure. Because people are at the theaters um, because Correct. most theaters are connected to the mall. So people are there to go see these movies. So I bet it's not doing as bad as I would have hoped. Don't get me wrong. I bet the movie fucking sucks. So. Yeah, I mean, counter-programming is a real thing, dude. Like, people want to go to the theaters, and if they don't give a fuck, they might just want a shorter line. Like, how many times have you gone to the food court and just eaten at, like, a restaurant you weren't that big a fan of because the line was shorter than, like, Chick-fil-A or the Chinese place? Right. Almost every time. <clears throat> exactly. Or the so, last time you went to the Chinese place and made you throw up and just want to kill yourself the next fucking morning like that piece of shit Ryan Johnson threw in theaters. Yeah, but he's So you're like, his... okay, I'll go to Chick-fil-A. Exactly. Yeah, all the time. The analogy is your heart's in the right place, but Chick-fil-A is probably more fucking crowded than the Chinese <laughs> place. But I get what you're saying. 
But Geiger, as always, kind of has the pulse on the people, saying, like, this is sandwiched in the wrong spot. Again, flop, we have a, a little bit of a loose criteria to define it. <laughs> I don't know how much people were expecting from Jumanji the next level, but we keep fucking making these. So until we take a stand as a human race, I mean, this is what's going to happen. Is this the second one? The second one with The Rock. The third one because they're well, Yeah, with Rob Williams. But okay. Because the first right. one was Welcome to the Jungle. I just don't... Jack Black just wears on me, too. Like, he was funny for a while. And Shallow Howe was on the other day, too. And I was like, my God. I'm like, I hate Jack Black. I just can't fucking stand him. Yeah. He's changed a lot. His his days of Orange County and Tenacious D being, like, really vulgar, like, drive through is are, are long gone. All right, mine, I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely wrong, but I yeah, said Joker. And my quote was, I cannot believe how little I care about this. I still cited Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker as the best movie performance I've ever seen. I stand by that. Um, I did see Joker, and I did like it. It is a very visceral and emotional movie. Uh, and obviously, it has done gangbusters in terms of critical reception and box office. It's probably going to win a lot of Oscars. Joaquin Phoenix will be nominated for Best Actor. So I'm definitely way wrong here. Um, there's really nothing else to say, right? I fucked up. I don't tell you. I even like the movie. So I mean, it was a great movie. Very well cast. Joaquin Phoenix did a fantastic job. Very well written. And you really felt something through the movie. Like The whole time, I was like scared that something bad Same. might happen in my theater. Same. At the end of the day, though, walked out, told my wife, great movie. Not a Joker movie, but it's a great movie. Yep. I think almost the same thing, but on a much lesser scale that we said in our like, Venom review. Yeah, they, that was a movie that should have made a couple mil. Uh, they put Joker on the title, changed everything about the Joker. It's not a Joker movie, but since it's called Joker, it makes a lot of mil. So. And please don't give me a sequel. I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix has ever done a sequel in his life. I don't think he'll start now, but let's just keep it as it is, right? Yeah, I I don't know what, unless you're going to put it in Patton's as Batman, which I, I don't know how that would work. The Joker so, would be 69 years old. Yeah, unless Patton's as Batman is going to take place in the 80s. I, I don't know. Yeah. Banner, did you see Joker? I have not. No, haven't gotten a chance to get away from the little one. When you do, definitely do not have it on when she's anywhere near it. It'll scar her for life. And I was going to send me a Snapchat of her, like, playing with toys and while the Joker's on the TV. <laughs> He's like, she's fine. <laughs> It'll be all right. All right. Uh, that's it. We go to our honorable mentions now of 2019. This is basically a chance any movie that didn't fit into those three categories that we wanted to talk about, we get to talk about. Uh, I talked about John Wick Chapter 3. And, Banner, this got you pretty erect. I said, all you need to know is that I saw a photo of Keanu Reeves on a horse in Times Square with a machine gun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was all about that. And that's Checks pretty much the off fucking All of his boxes. So and I had long- never seen any of the John Wicks. You told me that. I was like, all right, I'm in. I have now seen all three of them multiple times. They're fantastic. So yeah. much fun. Cycles into. They're the most Banner movie I've ever seen in my life. They're and the so best part. Fun. In the third one, in the opening scene, a minor spoilers for John Wick 3. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want the first five minutes spoiled. Uh, but Geiger, John Wick kills the backup center, Boban Marjanovic, for the Mavericks with a book in a library. <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> he kills him with awesome. a fucking book while they try to be quiet so people can read. Um, 
All right, this could uh, this could create some problems, but I did say for honorable mentions, Knives Out, and I said, man, I was really interested in this movie until I saw who wrote and directed it in Ryan Johnson, and then Boehner and I shit on Ryan Johnson for a little bit because of the Last Jedi debacle, and I, I'm just, I'm going to be honest, I saw it opening weekend for my birthday, I took my fiance and my mom all three of us loved it. I'm sickened by myself and by my actions. I tried to confess to my priest. He kicked me out of the confessional booth. And he said, I read your review of The Last Jedi. How dare you? God does not have any pity for you. I liked Knives Out, and I need help. Help me. I still will never see that fucking film. I'll never see anything that Ryan Johnson's attached to. He could make... I'm trying to think... Like, he could make a fucking... He could do the like the Hulk Hogan biopic with Chris Hemsworth and Bradley Cooper as Vince McMahon, and you wouldn't watch he could it. Do a, he could do a fucking Batman Beyond movie and bring back either Michael Keaton and fucking Christian Bale, and I'd say, fuck, fuck you, no. Because he'd just fuck it up somehow. God, but Banner and I really had fun like just kicking him while he was down at the I, time. I never Shoot. got the term he'd fuck up a wet dream until I saw The Last Jedi, and I know what that means now. <laughs> What's the bigger fuck-up? Ryan Johnson's life, or that Ole Miss wide receiver who got a personal foul for pretending to piss like a dog and cost them the game against Mississippi State? Ryan Johnson's life, and his stupid-ass cowboy hat. And the spelling of his first name. Well, Banner's off scot-free, because he talked shit about Ryan Johnson with me, but I don't think he saw the movie. So he's Nope, nope I'm good. All right, Geiger, I'm going to give you a pass here. You mentioned The Addams Family with Oscar Isaac and Charlize Theron, but at the time, we did not know it was an yeah. anime. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to go see a fucking animated movie. I mean, there are animated movies I would see, but not The Addams Family. I thought this was actually a real-life remake, and I was excited right. about it. So, As did I, and that would have been badass. And, and then we, you also we, mentioned... We're looking at these movies, the sometimes you don't even know shit about them, so... Right, and then you also mentioned The Kingsman, the prequel to the two Kingsman movies, and that actually has been moved to 2020 again. So, you're, you're really... movies being moved, man. Yeah. I mean, this one, I think they had there was some production issue. It, the trailer looks really fucking cool. Um, and I think just for... Like, it's done, but just for box office... Yeah, I've seen the trailer. Good. I'm interested. Looks good. Alright, Cycli said Pet Cemetery and It Chapter 2. So, two... Um, Stephen King movies. He saw both of those. I think he liked both of them to varying degrees. And then he said Men in Black International would be another flop. And I did see that in theaters, and I can attest uh, you're not missing anything by not going to see it. Uh, Banner, you said The Kid, the Billy the Kid movie with Chris Pratt. As He's not Billy the Kid. Dane DeHaan is. It's Chris Pratt, Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, this was like... It. Yeah, but this one ended up being like limited release, so I'm not going to yeah. hold this against you. I did not. I was going to see it, and I could not find it in my hometown. But based on the box office and how much it took to make it, I'm not missing much. I saw it. It's terrible. And coming from me and Nate Thurman, who are probably the Western guys on this pod, it's hard to make a Western that I don't like. It's very hard. But they did it. It's not very good, especially about Billy the Kid. It was very poorly casted, Billy the Kid, and then it was just... It was just dry and just. We slow did make fun and, of Dane DeHaan as Billy it, the Kid. I was like, "Can he keep his emo hair in the old West?" Will I mean, that work? It's, it's kind of like the assassination of Jesse James with Brad Pitt, that I was excited about, but basically it was just about Jesse's late life, and it just dragged on for three hours. And the ending scene was fucking cool, but it's like, dude, I wanted to see some of the James Gang and some of the train robberies and shit, but you don't get any of that. It's just really dull and boring. 
Chris Pratt put on a lot of weight for the role too, right? Yeah, I don't know if that was like I think he was just not working out. I don't know if that was on purpose or not. I don't think he Christian bailed it. <laughs> Didn't really serve the character. He yeah. was just a <laughs> All right. Yeah, that one, I don't know what happened. That was Vincent D'Onofrio, I believe, his directorial debut, so not a good I believe it was. For um, movies, I think he's directed TV shows before. Sounds right. All right, on to our custom top five list uh, as part of close to the end of our chess day. Banner, do you have yours prepared? I would love to hear yours first. And then again, yes, this was I us. Do. We were going to make any top five list we wanted from the year. It could literally be your favorite movies, your least favorite movies, whatever you want. And I don't think the other bros know what we've each curated. So please, Vayner, take it away. All right. So mine, I did the top five TV seasons that debuted in 2019 that I saw. That's incredible. Good for you. So the sad thing is, is that it was actually really hard to come up with or to narrow it down to five seasons of shows that I watched. I watched a lot of TV. I was going to say, first off, it's impressive that you even watched five full seasons of television this year. But to have ones that got left off of the list is really impressive. So we going five to one or one to five? Let's go five to one and I'll ask some questions or All say right. whatever the fuck I want. So five, and I'm very, very torn about this, but True Detective season three. I have that on there. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was a fun ride revisiting it will never happen correct but it was it was a fun ride i really enjoyed it um even though there was so many just ends that never ended i think that's the true detective motif though incredible tickling of the balls that to where it can just never satisfy you in the end but still incredible tv great acting great writing and we did reviews on every episode, and week to week, we were just, like, edge of our seat the whole fucking time. Nate Thurman, I remember, was like, he came over to my house one night, we got blacked out drunk, and analyzed this, like, one 13-second scene of dialogue, like, for 45 minutes. I remember that, because you called me at, like, 2 Sorry. in the morning, and we're like, we need, we need your help with this. I was like, this is important. You were like, are you in danger? And I was like, kind of, yeah. So I helped. Um... Next thing, number four, Stranger Things Season 3. This was a fantastic season to cap a series, even though we're getting more and I don't like the direction that I think they're going to go. This capped those first two seasons perfectly. Um, Went off without a hitch. Again, it was a lot of fun. They took some risks, and they all paid off. Um, So that, that made it to number four. Number three, Barry, season two, the HBO original. I need to, I need to watch this show. People have told me I would love it. It is incredible. Um, they're premises, only on season two? They're only on season two. Season three drops very soon, I believe. Um, but Very soon? Very, very soon. Um, it's basically you have a hitman that wants to be an actor in Hollywood, and he's trying to balance those two lives. Um Bill Hader is absolutely phenomenal in this. If you, I know a lot of people are hit or miss with him as an actor. Go watch this, and he he can act. He is absolutely great. He uh, wrote, directed. This is his thing, and it's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. Very very good. So I'll I'll say this: similar to Dexter, this 
is incredible based on everything I've heard. But there's going to be a point very soon where just based on the concept, again, same with Dexter, where they're going to jump the shark, where it's just going to, like, it's just going to run its course. And I hope it doesn't go, like, two seasons too long like Dexter did. I agree. Um, but right now, this that this was a very, very fun, great uh, season. Number two. End of the fucking world season two. I talked about this a couple weeks on our a uh, couple weeks Cycling ago. Watch this too. Cycling watched this too. The first season came out a year or two ago and it was fantastic. How they ended it, I was not excited about this second season. And how they did it and how they came in uh, and, and approached the second season and what they delved into was just so creative and fantastic. A great story of bringing these characters back together that you thought weren't going to be able to bring back together. Um, so well done. Pretty quick watch as well, which always helps. Would you describe it as drama, comedy? He, I think Cycli said there's like a very, very slight dark humor element to it. Yeah, it's more of a drama, but there are some things that are funny. And there's some things that you're like, I, th- I think I want to laugh, but I'm not sure that I should. But the characters' lives are like so depressing at times. You're like, I yes. don't want to be rude. Exactly. Yeah, they need to pick me up. Is there a third season coming out? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I I hope not, but possibly. And the top movie or the excuse me, the top TV season that I watched this year was Sex Education. Wow. Uh, Nate Thurmond is Thurmond brought cheering me at home. I went and watched it. It is a great show. Um, it's funny. It has serious moments. It's got a little bit of slapstick humor, but also some really dry, witty humor. It is not afraid to dive into controversial issues. And it's I cannot wait for the next season to come out of this. It was a ton of fun to watch. I think I watched it in like a day and a half. Um, Damn. It was everybody needs to go and watch that one as well. It's not what the trailers portray it to be. The trailers kind of are going to show it. They show it more as a slapstick, funny, uh, you know, dick and pussies in your face all day. And it is nothing like that. Uh, Asking for our viewers, what's the ratio of dicks to pussies in my face? Um, Honestly, it's like one to one. And that's it. There's, There's not very much dicks and pussies in your face. I don't know if I like that or don't like it, but the obviously Geiger and the British don't get along, so he might be sitting this one out, but I think I'll give it a shot. Yeah, he would be sitting out uh, two of my five TV shows. Geiger admits he fired the first shot. Absolutely. I did. Because they're pussies, they won't shoot first anyway, so yeah, I had to. Banner, that's a great fucking list. Good work. All right, Geiger, any custom top five list you want to do for the year of 2019 in TV or movies? What do yeah, you got? I have one. Thank you, Jeff, for throwing it to me. So the Brill Force Squad, we have five criteria. Acting, story, best scene. Impacts on Paul Paul Shore and rewatchability. But for this, Geiger is doing the top five what-the-fuck scenes of 2019. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> this can be a good what-the-fuck. You can tell by my tone what I think. Lion King. Opening scene. It's number five. The original was fucking great. This one, I was like, what the fuck? This is, this is five or one? Sorry. Is this the f- This is number five. Okay. So, 
the Lion King that came out this year, the opening scene, once it hit, I was like, what the fuck? This is fucking awesome. Rest of the movie, complete fucking trash, but that. I will watch that anytime it's on TV. It was a fucking great scene, and it was very well fucking done. Number two. My theater was already amped up. People were, like, shoving each other. I was like, let's go, man. Number two, Charlie's Angels. You mean number four? Sorry, number four, Charlie's (laughs) Angels. Number, the second movie I'm doing, but number four on the list. When I'm basically, I was in the theater, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this isn't Charlie's Angels. This is just kind of a LBGTQ fucking movie to try to like shove it down my fucking throat i was very surprised about that and then especially afterwards when elizabeth banks took to twitter to basically bury everyone because it's their fault for not supporting a shitty movie i was like what the fuck so that whole movie that whole movie was a what the fuck scene to me wait till we get to our 2020 preview show i have a specific message for elizabeth banks and it's she's not gonna like it number number three three yeah. Either way. The joke. It is. The whole movie. building it up and the tension. I haven't had this much tension in a theater ever. Not even the Dark Knight Rises when Bane breaks his back. Because when Brain, Bane breaks his back, I didn't think of a fucking purple haired kid coming and like shooting up my theater or something. That fucking scene when he kills De Niro is very well fucking done. Because he hasn't. He's only, I think, killed one person before that. But that just made it it made it seem like a real death. You know, when you watch a movie and like Rambo kills like 40 fucking thousand people and you're like, whatever that made it feel like someone actually fucking died in your theater. What the fuck? Whenever he fucking got shot. And I'll put a, just so people know a spoilers tag in the description for Joker. But I think the thing that made that so intense was you knew he was going to do it like five minutes before he ever did it. Yeah. And, and so just you're just kind of waiting for it. And it really built up tension. Very well acted. Very well directed. Number yeah. two, and this movie was setting it up the whole time, but I didn't think they had the balls to do it. I didn't know how they was, were going to do it, but they did it yesterday. Which is a fucking great movie. I and rewatched whenever, it on a plane this past week. I love yesterday. Whenever they bring back John Lennon, I like I like cried. Like literally mm-hmm. fucking cried. And if you show it to your parents, the generation that was around when John Lennon was, you know, alive and kicking in his prime and inspirational, they'd cry too. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) When I was crying in the fucking theater. Very fucking well done. And my number one, what the fuck scene in 2019, dude, so many seasons, so many hours put into this and fucking brand, brand stark. What the so fuck? Goddamn stupid. Totally, dude. What the fuck? Whenever, and I mean, I thought when fucking the fat dude was talking about democracy, I thought that was fucking stupid. And then Brand just sitting there, the fucking kid in your group project that hasn't done shit, but still gets an A. Gets to be fucking kid. People at home are like, what I thought fuck? we could get it, go into 2020 and not have to talk about this anymore, but the you're fuck? right. It happened, and we can't... Notice what uh, season did not make my top five. God, yeah, if you, if you would have said you're going to do that as your top five list before the year, and that GOT season eight wouldn't be on there, be shocked. I'd have lost a lot of money on that. which would have made it equal to my normal sports betting. All right, my top five list. Top five movies of 2019 that Jeff Hornacek saw that Matt Geiger will never see in his fucking life. 
So I have AMC A-List, which I've talked about a couple times on here. And in the summer, I'm a, I am work in education, so I get off. I, I have a little more free time. I'm allowed to see three movies a week. So anything that comes out, really just for the podcast or just because I'm bored, I pretty much go see it. So I saw a lot more. These aren't all artsy-fartsy movies. I'd say three of them are. But these are movies Geiger will never fucking see. And I'm going to read the movie title, read the description, and then just throw it to Geiger for his completely raw response to it all right now the first movie i'm going to mention which is my number five i actually did not like at all but i thought it would be really funny to give geiger's get geiger's impression on it so this is a movie called the goldfinch and it stars ansel elgort and nicole kidman and the plot synopsis is a boy in new york is taken by a wealthy upper east side family after his mother is killed in a bombing in the metropolitan museum of art it is two hours and 29 minutes, and it is based on a book, and I saw the whole thing in theaters. Geiger, what are your thoughts on The Goldfinch? I actually saw the previews of this a lot for some reason, and I looked at my wife just hoping that she wouldn't turn to me and say, let's go see that, because that's like <laughs> that's like the scariest thing when you take your wife or girlfriend to a movie, and when you see a trailer, you're just like, please don't want to see this because you know you're going to be ripped into it it looked fucking stupid as hell and uh jeffrey wright is in it too god this is the slowest fucking <laughs> movie the main character has like a, a burgeoning drug addiction and i found myself just like dude can he just od so we can get out of here like the fuck but every time you think he ods he fucking bounces back he's a, like the cow ripkin of drug addicts all right, my number four was a movie that I thought I would fucking hate, and I really went to it to just laugh at it. I ended up really liking it, and that is Alita Battle Angel. It was a lot of fun. It was pretty fucking good. Yeah. Uh, Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly, uh, Mahershala Ali, and the CGI heavy based on the Japanese comic and the plot synopsis is a deactivated cyborg is revived but cannot remember anything of her past life and goes on a quest to find out who she is. Geiger, Alita Battle Angel. Any chance I can sell you? Uh, no. Cool. <laughs> it was fun, dude. Banner, I'm I had, Yeah, I had I had fun in it. It was one that like I didn't don't think they marketed it very well. And I think I saw it in the airport on like a billboard like two days before it came out. And I did not see it in theaters, but I saw it later. And I was like, they should have done a lot more with this. This is really good uh, animation. And CGI work. The mocap on it was good. I thought Marshaw Ali was fantastic. He was. Not in it enough, but good. No, not in it enough. But when he was, it was a treat. And it was just it was just a fun movie. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know the source material. And I think that's who they made it for, was for like these Japanese comic fans. So I, whatever. The, the end scene, I won't spoil the cameo for you at the end, but there's an actor who we all fucking hate at the end. And I just want to ask him, so you'll do this movie, but think about how much fucking money you lost. Because you apparently wouldn't do these types of movies. Yeah. Jessica Gordon-Levitt? No. Even worse. It's, I'll just say it. Spoilers for a little battle angel. It's fucking Edward Norton. Oh. His, his dumb ass is in the end. Fuck him. All right. Uh, number three, needs no introduction, knives out. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's on here. And these are ranked as how much I like them. Um, obviously, Geiger, you'll never see it. I mean, I heard it was a really good movie, and I'm actually almost tempted 
to go until I remember how much I hate Ryan Johnson. Then I see Chris Evans' dumb fucking face on there too. There's two reasons for me to just never even go near this movie. And I'll say this: in this movie, Chris Evans is loving his own performance. He's like, God, I'm so fucking. You could witty. tell that. You could tell that from the the uh, trailer. <laughs> I think Chris he's a Evans, terrible actor. He's like, I put the shield down. I could say fuck now, and it's like, all right, we get it. All right, number two on my list. This was an incredible movie. It's called The Farewell. It's directed by a Chinese director named Lulu Wang. And the plot synopsis is, a Chinese family discovers their grandmother has only a short while left to live and decide to keep her in the dark, scheduling a wedding together before she dies. It stars Aquafina in a serious role. She's going to get nominated for Best Actor for this. And if you've ever lost a grandparent, um, this movie is going to tug at those heartstrings. And Geiger, I, I don't think it's a movie that on the surface you would like, but I actually think if you sat through it, you would enjoy it. And I'm looking up the runtime. It's only an hour, 36 minutes. So the this farewell. This one I might actually see, especially, um, you know, if we we're going to be at Nate Thurman's house for New Year's Eve, if you drop that line to my wife, she'll probably make me watch it. So It's There's not horrible. Yeah, it's it's really not horrible. It's just, it's an independent film. And we all have That's our roles the in this problem. Film. That is the problem. All right, the last one was a complete mindfuck of a movie, and you're lucky Ronnie Cycli's not on the podcast because we would talk about this movie for two hours. It is the movie Midsommar, directed and written by Ari Aster, who did that movie Hereditary. And the plot synopsis, a couple travels to Sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled Midsummer Festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult, and it stars Florence Pugh and Jack Rayner. This was a movie where I saw it by myself in the middle of like a Tuesday. There was another guy four rows behind me by himself, same deal. And about 30 minutes in, there's a scene, and I don't think there were any kids in the theater, but he yells out, what the fuck? <laughs> and I turned around, <laughs> and I was like, right? It's a total mindfuck of a movie. Right. And Geiger, it's, it's long. It is two hours 27 minutes you would never sit through it but if i described the plot to you you would be interested i think <laughs> i mean i can say i i like mindfuck movies where like you have no clue what's going on the whole time and then they drop a big thing on you and it actually makes sense it's it's, awesome. it's very interesting it's very very interesting other than just making you know a main character someone's granddaughter just because you know it's uh, no one knows what you're talking about no one knows what you're stop no one knows referring to all right, before we move on to the last part of our show today, because we don't have a fan question, which is our protein shake, was there any movies that we did not talk about from 2019 that you guys want to mention? Um, I want to talk briefly, and I'll, I'll let you guys go first, but we did say, say this was Year of the Doc, the documentary, and I have two documentaries I want to briefly talk about, but Banner, I'll throw it to you first, and if you don't have anything, that's totally fine because I'm putting you on the spot, but anything you did not get to bring up today... Uh, that you do want to mention before we close the book on 2019's movie season. Uh, I agree, Year of the Doc, um, but I will actually save my closing comments for Protein Shake because I saw another one here the uh, last couple of days that I want to talk about. Perfect. Geiger, how about you? I'll say Year of the Doc, but I'll also say Year of Streaming because two of my biggest surprise movies, and they're necessarily maybe surprised, The Irishman was one of them that finally came out on Netflix that I was very into and loved we talked about triple frontier but i think the best netflix movie this year is the fucking dirt that motley crew um documentary movie was fantastic 
a really fun cast. Had uh, Ramsey Bolden from Game of Thrones. Had Machine Gun Kelly as Tommy Lee. I just rewatched it the other day, and I would say that's like the best fucking streaming movie I've seen all fucking year. And I think that's going to be more and more relevant as we go through in 2020, 2021, 2022. Some of the greatest movies are going to be coming on Netflix and Disney+. Plus. I totally agree. And when we do our 2020 preview show, that's the tough thing. It's like finding all these releases on streaming yeah. to include. So we could easily drop the ball there. For a year of the doc, I have two that I want to talk about real quick. And then very briefly, I actually added a few of my favorite and least favorite movies but i love you now die the commonwealth versus michelle carter this was an hbo documentary i, I know geiger you were interested in it i don't know if you saw i it. watched it yeah this is the one where she texted him telling him to kill himself right it was yeah. a two-parter yeah. one was her yeah. side one was his very interesting yeah and i yeah. love and geiger mentioned this last time i think we discussed it but the fact that they give you both sides of the story i think is incredibly important and what made me like this movie would you agree or do you have a different opinion matt I love when it's two sides of the story because I hate when I'm like, okay, what's the narrative first? Then I'll be like making a murderer. You know, I'll read yep. the other side of it. I'm like, dude, the Stephen Avery guy isn't like as fucking great as exactly. people crack him up to be. He looks like kind of a stalker guy. I can see him doing this. I love that. But I love that they split it in two. So he's like, here's one side. Here's the other side. Now go to the bar and talk about it. I think every documentary should be done that way. Yep. It was done very, very well. And then, Banner, I think you and I talked about this. Uh, the Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon yep. Valley, about that company Theranos. Yeah. Super Absolutely mind-blowing. Another HBO one, right? Yep. If you haven't seen this and you've ever like paid for a blood test, go check it out, dude. It just shows you how fucked up the medical community is and just how nuts things are. Also, HBO, um, What's My Name, the Muhammad Ali documentary is fucking brilliant, too. came out this year. I do need to see that. All right, really briefly, uh, my favorite movie of the year. Again, I don't. If you guys don't have these together, I just did this off the top. My favorite movie of the year was Yesterday, um, which Geiger briefly talked about. The Danny Boyle directed kind of like revisionist history if the Beatles never existed. Worst movie of the year. I had it. Uh, it's a tie between Serenity with Matthew McConaughey and Dark Phoenix. Sorry, Banner. Nah, it's fine. It, it's where we deserve <laughs> my, to be. <laughs> my biggest surprise movie, Banner, I think you saw this murder mystery with Adam Sandler and um, Jennifer Aniston on Netflix. So much fun. Who knew that was so going to be so fun. fucking good? Yeah. And then my biggest disappointment, Geiger, I hope you don't wring your hands at this, but The Highwayman with Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. It was fine, but dude, I had really high expectations for that. And I, it was like a bore to get through, I have to say. No, that's fine. I, I I can't say anything bad. I've I've never watched it again. So <laughs> yeah, it was. It's hard to believe that that movie was forgettable. Like Bonnie and Clyde, those two dudes, is the cops hunting them down. Like you, me, and I think everybody on the pod were fucking jacked up for that. And I was like forty minutes to an hour into it, and I was like, dude, this is not going where I thought it was gonna go. It's like pretty slow. Uh, but again, that's to the strength of Netflix. That like that movie in a typical year would be like. They're a top streaming service film this year. It doesn't even crack the, the top three. Yeah. All right. Last part of our show is our protein shake. where We go around and talk about what's in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. I have three things I'll really briefly mention, and then I'll toss it to you, Geiger. I watched the uh, second-to-last episode of High School Musical, the musical, the series, titled Thanksgiving. Um, 
I think Boehner and I will probably just save our thoughts for the finale as it's out now and we need to watch it. But man, uh, is it EJ? Who's the fucking water polo guy? I can't fucking stand EJ. I Dude, he has fallen him. off of a goddamn cliff. He's like Tracy McGrady after his knee injury. It's like, what has become of you? He um, is the fucking worst. He's horrible. And obviously it's by design, but like, Jesus Christ, dude, you're embarrassing yourself. Um, getting 128 likes on that Instagram post. I mean, the dude's canceled. Um, sure. Last thing I thought of, Carlos, it was kind of rude to invite all the nerds to Ashlyn's house party. Without asking first. I mean, have a little social tax. So that's all I'll say about High School Musical, the musical series. Uh, the Mandalorian finished it up. Season one, episode eight, The Redemption. Look for uh, Banner, Nate Thurman, and mine's review coming out soon. Uh, and saw Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Actually saw it twice. Very, very much improved on the second viewing. Like, almost exponentially. I cannot believe how much more I like it. And prior to seeing that, I watched uh, The Force Awakens, which... Is a very, very good Star Wars movie. Like, it's tough to top the pantheon of Star Wars, but it's probably at the very top of the second half of Star Wars movies, which is not a shameful place to be. I will say that. So check out our Rise of Skywalker review. Um, it's a lot better the second time. All right, Matt, what's in your cup, also known as what have you watched lately? Yeah, so since these two guys are pretty much in Disney's pocket and in their payroll... I got to represent Netflix and Hulu and all this other streaming shit. So I'm diving into The Witcher, which is supposed to be the new Game of Thrones. Like, it's Netflix Game of Thrones, man. You got to fucking check it out. And Cavill's in it. Um, you know it's based made, on a video game? Yeah. And a book, Banner. Um, I know books, that. I think. They're plural. More than one. Uh, so basically... Um, if Orlando Bloom went to prison like in fucking Lord of the Rings like Henry Cavill would basically not be the bitch in that relationship if you know what I mean he looks just like Orlando Bloom from Lord of the Rings and this but if he started doing show, what's that but like but if he started doing deadlift and pull-ups right? yeah pretty much and I like Cavill never had a problem with Cavill liked him as Superman liked him in a lot of the shows I just don't think this is for me. I don't like Lord of the Rings. And, and once a fucking, um, like a, a fucking elephant man type guy and a fucking, and a bunch of elves come in, that's kind of where I just, you know, drink my beer, pay my tab and just like leave the bar and let the kids fucking have fun. I just, I don't see how this is Game of Thrones. Everyone's saying this is Netflix versus Game of Thrones. It's not. Banner, I don't know if you've watched this at all. And there's a lot of shit going on that... I know there's like three characters right now that they're probably going to bring together and it's going to be a holy shit fucking thing. The only problem with that is right now I don't give a shit about the other two characters at all. Could care less about them. So I don't think I'll even care about the big reveal that's happening. And apparently it's taking place in a lot of different timelines so you got to pay attention. But I just – Jesus. I, I know. Yeah, this that is just sounds not, exhausting. I don't think this is a show for me at all. And I'm very disappointed because I was – very looking forward to watching it. I'm four episodes in, and I'm thinking about just quitting. Well, we've talked about this a lot, like the binge model versus what Disney Plus does. If you're Netflix and you have a show that's not as appealing, I think – like you've probably watched more of this than you would if it was week to week, right? Absolutely, because after about two weeks, I'd be like, 
Yeah, if if I remember, but this, I mean, I'll just be like, okay, just give it another episode, give it another episode. Then I'm like, dude, these are ten. I think it's ten episodes, and I'm four deep. Don't you think I should be in by now? Are they thirty minutes or an hour? Uh, I think they're forty-five to an hour. It's tougher. Yeah, that's a tough watch. Well, my brother likes it, and my mom's I, giving it. A shot, I, I so want I you know. guys to just watch one episode because I want to talk about. Cavill's voice he's doing because <laughs> it, it was cool at first but it just seems a little forced I don't know we need to have this debate on another pod but does Henry Cavill just suck I at hate what point, him I've at, what point do we, at what point do we stop blaming everyone else around him and we're like dude you're, I, <laughs> you're I, I, that's what my wife said she's like, I, she's like I can't believe they got Cavill to do this I said it's because he can't get a role in Hollywood anymore I don't think everyone just thinks he's so vanilla I mean what has he done that's good Man, Man of Steel is the best good. movie. Yeah, it's right, but like Man from Uncle, no one watched it. Okay, I liked Immortals. Mission, Immortals Mission, is good. Mission Impossible Fallout, best movie of the year, but not because of him. Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy. Mission Impossible Fallout Boy. God, I can't wait for the Brosskers. <laughs> All right, uh, anything else you watched, Matt? No, that's the only thing I want to talk about, just because I thought it started a conversation maybe in the comment section, because a lot of people really like this show. I just don't. I don't think it's for me. Guys, in the comments, convince me to watch The Witcher. I'm not I, a tough guy to sell, I promise. I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's for me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's a that's It's very... like the salad section at the buffet. I'm sure it's good, but I want, you know, I want prime rib. <laughs> right, and no one can blame you for that. All right, Banner, I think you and I might have watched one of the same things if you're looking at my list, but what's in your cup? What have you seen lately? All right, so uh, at the end of last episode, me and the wife, you were going through watching all the Star Wars movies. We finished up from A New Hope through Last Jedi, and then I forced myself to watch that piece of shit because I knew how much they were going to have to retcon into Rise of Skywalker. Saw Rise of Skywalker. Um, check out a review on that to hear more of my thoughts on it. Um, but plowed through all those Star Wars movies. Then I went into full-on Christmas mode, Christmas of the Cranks, Home Alone, Home Alone 2. Um, watched all three of those. Uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Which, which one? Um, I actually watched Cumberbatch. The Cumberbatch one. I it love was, the Cumberbatch it one. It was so much fun. It's really, really good. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought it was just like overplayed. But I was like, ah, fine, we'll put it on, Dude, we'll give it a Max shot. Max is such a scene star. I mean, does anyone work harder than Max around Christmas time? I love Fred, too. Fred's good. Uh, Keenan Thompson's good in the movie, too. Yeah. Rashida um, Jones is Cindy Lou Who's mom? It's all, everything works. Yeah, it, it was, I liked it just as much as I liked the original cartoon. Not a big fan of Jim Carrey's version of it. But that's just me. Um... Then last night I watched Booksmart. Uh, I think I know Jeff. You've seen this, Matt. Have you seen Booksmart yet? No. Okay. Um, Matt's afraid he might laugh at it. I don't know what it is. It's the Uh, female super bad. Yeah. Oh, I'd watch that. Yeah, it was fine. Jason Sudeikis is hilarious. (laughs) He is a steen steen sealer. He is awesome in it. Yeah. When when he's their lift driver, he's their principal so and the the lift driver who picks them up. And he, when he okay. when they get in the car, he's like, "Fuck!" <laughs> he's uh, like hoping he never gets a student. My only knock on it is Beanie Feldstein, who plays Molly. I could not fucking stand her in this. 
I couldn't that, tell if she, is that Jonah Hill's half sister or the other chick. I think it's Jonah Hill's half sister. She was trying to be Jonah Hill, and it she, was not working. So I'll say this: I think she hit, especially in the third act, the emotional beats really well. But comedically, that know, was the problem. Yeah, it's the, a little hard. The scene at the at the end when um, they kind of have their falling out and getting that fight at that party, that scene was so well shot. And you felt every emotion coming from both of them in that. And everything about that was fantastic. Um, But the main thing I really wanted to talk about was a Netflix show, miniseries, Matt. Not Disney, but Netflix. Don't Fuck With Cats. Hunting an Internet Killer. Oh, oh, I had seen some tweets about this. So they were shoving this down my throat. And so I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. How many episodes? Three episodes. Each one's like an hour long. It's They're not that bad. Um, basically, it is this guy on the internet films himself doing disgusting, disturbing things to cats. And posts it on the internet. And these like the dark web or like the internet, like the dark web, I believe like it is nothing sexual. He's doing, he's torturing cats is basically is what he's doing. It's, it is kind of tough to watch that first episode. You have to watch him torture the cats or you just know that he did it. You just know that he did it. Like, I don't want, I don't want to see that. No, 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 no. I would have turned it off if they showed that it's disgusting. I almost turned it off anyway. Uh, but there's these, group of people that are on Facebook that said, you know what, we're going to find this guy. And they break this video down frame by frame and they end up figuring out who it is. And this guy ends up upgrading from torturing animals to killing a person. And then it's about that online. He does. Jesus Christ. There's a movie about this with uh, Diane Lane. I can't remember what it's called. But now I'm going to watch this. Yeah, and it's about the international manhunt because he was in like three or four different countries and how he tried to cover his tracks. And it was uh, it's a very interesting watch, but I will warn you, the first episode is extremely graphic and really hard to... It was hard to get through. Okay. Damn. Jesus. I need help, but I'm interested. Yeah, I, I, I want. This is something that I know Cycli has watched. Like you watch that he hasn't told time, me. Or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no bad time to watch it, really. Yeah, I don't understand. That's just something that I just watched. Jesus Christ! We put Little Mermaid on on the iPad and give it to her. She, she was fine. Yeah, so you could watch the cat killer thing. Everyone gets their own content in 2020. That's, that's the rule. It's fucking great. Anything else, Banner? Um, no, I think that was about it. All right, I watched uh, Six Underground, the Michael Bay, Ryan Reynolds Netflix movie. Did you see this, Banner? I know you talked about maybe. Uh, I got like five, maybe ten minutes in, and I was just like, you know what, I'm tired, and this is not doing enough for me. Okay, so I'll describe. This is Michael Bay ejaculating into all of our faces. It is probably two hours, seven minutes, and there's... I'm not being facetious here. Maybe 11 minutes of dialogue or plot. It's it's so hilarious. This is not a movie. It's three separate 
26 minute action set pieces with a little bit of dialogue in between them. The plot makes absolutely no fucking sense. Anytime the characters talk to each other, you can tell Michael Bay is like really uneasy and squirming in his chair. He's like, why, but why don't they just shoot someone else? It's like, well, there has to be a little bit of dialogue. It's all quippy one-liners in the middle of action sequences, and I ate it up. I mean, it is so stupid. It's so much fun. Is it good filmmaking? Oh, my God, absolutely not. It's the furthest thing from it. (laughs) But it's Michael Bay with a boner doing crane shots for two hours and five minutes. And if you make a sequel to this thing, you just let me know the fucking release date, and I'm there. (laughs) It is in no way filmmaking. This is like a, a... 14 year old who got 200 million dollars to go blow shit up and they use every cent of that budget so i know people have made fun of it some people called it the worst movie of the decade but that's not fair because this isn't a movie it's not a movie (laughs) god that's one of the greatest reviews i'm probably gonna go watch it yeah you just sold me on that i mean we have to do a commentary because it's the dumbest fucking thing of all time that's all I can say. I don't know. We could Ryan add. Reynolds. I love Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Reynolds is funny in it, but there's not nothing happens. Three separate times, shit blows up. People get shot, and at the end of the day, even the characters don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're like, uh, "Why?" You could rearrange all three of the acts in any order, and nothing would change about the whole movie. Um, last thing I saw, and I'm pissed. I saw a beautiful day in the neighborhood. The quote unquote. Mr. Rogers biopic starring Tom Hanks. This movie is uh, sold to us as a Mr. Rogers biopic, but Mr. Rogers is in maybe 15 minutes of it. It's about a reporter named Lloyd Vogel who's estranged from his father. And his wife recently gave birth to a child and he's struggling with dealing with his dad, trying to come back into his life while he's dying. And he just so happens to be asked to interview Mr. Rogers at this time in his life. So there are three separate scenes where he talks to Tom Hanks for about five minutes each. And the other hour and 55 minutes is him with his father, played by Chris Cooper, struggling with their relationship or lack thereof throughout his life. I don't know what the fuck this is. I don't know why they tried to tell us it was a Mr. Rogers biopic. But I would equate it to about how much um, Nebula is in Avengers Endgame is about how much Mr. Rogers is in this movie. That's ridiculous. At at most. And the one time Mr. Rogers is in it, it's like dream sequences. He's like coping with his relationship with his dad, imagining himself on Mr. Rogers' show. So there's nothing about Mr. Rogers' backstory, his life how he came to be, the rumors about him allegedly being a Marine who has like a kill count in the 50s as a sniper, his death, his relationship with his kids, his wife, why he started the show. None of that is talked about at all. This guy interviews him two separate times and has two dream sequences with him. It was disgusting. And Why is this movie even made? Like, I guess we'd have to ask our parents that, how much Mr. Rogers influenced them, but wouldn't this basically be like if Daniel Day-Lewis played barney for our generation like who like are we supposed to take this serious i don't know i i didn't think mr rogers was that inspirational of a character i think he's like maybe on the same headwind as like bob barker from the price is right or something clearly the the filmmakers didn't felt the exact same way because he's at best a footnote in this film they used his name as a vehicle to tell a story about frank vogel this reporter for esquire magazine and his relationship with his estranged father i don't get it if you want to make that movie that's fine but 
don't fucking cast Tom Hanks, strap a button-up sweater on him and tell me it's a Mr. Rogers movie. I'm a little it's angry. It's called Vogel. Yeah, just do that. And it could easily be about Frank Vogel, former Indiana Pacers head coach. God, that'd be awesome. I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd watch that too, actually. Um, all right, before we leave the people for our 97th episode and our 2019 year in review as we close the book and t- look forward to turning the calendar to 2020, Geiger, what do you want to leave the people with? Uh, I think the best movie of the year was Endgame. Um, that's how you end shit. It's, I... <laughs> I don't, is it the best Marvel movie? No. But did it not fuck up everything they build? Absolutely yes, and they ended it correctly, which is apparently hard to do because no one else can do that. No one else can end stuff that they built up that was so great. So I think that was the greatest movie of the year because it had the most writing on it. Very well said. And I'm actually glad you bring that up because oftentimes the tentpole films that we love so much and talk about so much we do exclude from some of these types of episodes that's because you don't want to listen to us to tell to tell you avengers endgame was awesome listen to our review you know it was awesome it's sort of implicit banner what do you want to leave the people with for 2019 just make sure you guys pull over for emergency vehicles i actually had to pull over for one the other day i was very pleased everybody else did as well and don't be one of those people that like try and jump behind the emergency vehicle and ride their coattails to get past traffic. That's a that's a dick move too, man. Everyone sees through that. You're not fooling anyone. Well said, Banner. All right. Uh, for the mad scientist Brian Banner and our enforcer in the paint, Matt Geiger, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro Force Squad podcast. We very much look forward to seeing you guys in 2020. Follow us on Twitter at Bro Force Squad. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Type in bro for squad. That's three separate words. Type those same three words in a letterbox.com. You can read all of our reviews. Go to our website, bro4squad.com. At the top of our website right now, we actually have a survey link. If you could fill that out for us and tell us what we're doing that sucks and what we're doing that's awesome, we will give you a shout out on our show. It's at the very top there. I'll actually link it in this description as well. Thank you guys for everything. We look forward to seeing you in 2020 at the movies. We love you, 3000. Good, Kendrick. That was nice.